ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome everyone to the Nosebleed Podcast. I'm Michael Calamari. I'm here with Ryan Gregware. Today's Tuesday, February 9th. And Ryan, we've got a lot to talk about. I mean, recently past week and then culminating to um, Monday, we got the Trevor Bauer news. So there's a lot to talk about. Trevor Bauer, he signs a three-year, $102 million deal with the Dodgers. He is going to the World Series defenders. He's joined Trevor, uh, I mean, um, he's joining Clay Kershaw and Walker Bueller on that pitching staff. This is a big move, so I want to get right into that, and I want to get your thoughts to start off the podcast. Ryan, what do you think of the move? Yeah, first off, I want to shout out the Dodgers because a lot of times, you know, we see teams who are coming off a championship, they get a little complacent, uh, and they retain their guys maybe, but they don't go out for the kill, and that's what the Dodgers did here. They're going to be the only team going above the uh, $210 million luxury tax here. They get Bauer, the best pitcher on the market the reigning Cy Young winner. And so I just want to give them credit off the bat because this is a move that necessarily they didn't have to make, but they were willing to pony up the big money. They're willing to outbid the Mets, which we'll go into in a little bit. And then going on the Bauer side, I want to give a lot of credit to his agent, Rachel Luba. Um, you know, she's been someone who's been mocked a little bit by the media. You know, Bauer too has been thrown through the mud um, for some of the stuff that they've done. But in the end of the deal, Bauer is going to be the highest paid player in MLB history on an average annual value contract. He gets exactly what he wants with the opt-outs. So I think overall, this is a great deal for both sides. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think Trevor Bauer comes out a winner here. I mean, he didn't get the long-term contract, but he wasn't even pursuing that. I mean, he's been talking this whole time about wanting a one-year deal. So, I mean, the fact he's going to get $40 million next season is actually, it's insane. For a player that posted some great stats last year, I mean, 1.73 ERA, but it's over 60 games. I mean, it's a, such a small sample size, it's hard to really tell. I mean, I think it's a great move for him. Is it a great move for Dodgers? Maybe we disagree on that. I think that Trevor Bauer gets his money. And if you're the Dodgers, there's no real downside for this. Yeah, you go into a luxury um, tax and that's a problem, but you're gonna get Trevor Bauer onto a staff that's already probably one of the better staffs in the league. I mean, you got Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw, Dustin May, you get David Price back next year. So you're going to have five starting pitchers that can start on any rotation in the MLB. And then you got guys like Gratterall and Gonsolin that are also there. So the depth in this pitching staff is insane, and you have three um, top pitchers. And so I think for the Dodgers, in that sense, is it good? But do I think Bowers worth that kind of money? No, I do not think he's a $40 million per year player. I don't think anybody is really, maybe Trout. But he is not close to that. I'm not sure if I pay him $35 million. So on that idea, I think it was almost good the Mets didn't pass up on him. And I think the Dodgers might be overpaying here. Right. So a few things to unpack from what you just said. Uh, you talked about how it was a small sample size. And he'll be the first to tell you he has in all his uh, social media uh, platforms in his bio that it's a Mickey, he's a Mickey Mouse Cy Young Award winner. You know, that's the common phrase that they use for these COVID seasons and stuff like that. But back to the risk with the Dodgers here, I don't think there's any risk at all. No, um, I, I don't think there's risk. I agree, yeah. So that's why I love this deal for them, because you have three Cy Young Award winners in your rotation and Walker Bueller. 
Um, you know, you mentioned those names a second ago. You also have Julio Urias, who came up massive in the playoffs. He closed out game six. And you said there's five guys that could start in any rotation. I'd argue seven, honestly, with Gonsolin and Dustin May. So this is the best rotation in baseball, the best team in baseball coming off the World Series, getting richer, adding a guy like Bauer. And the reason I'm not so worried about this $40 million, because if it does flop, which, you know, I don't see coming, but Bauer is a guy who's had inconsistencies. If it does, for some reason, not work out, you can get out of this deal quick. Um, you know, you're not tied down for a seven, eight-year deal. And when you're a team like the Dodgers, this is one that you can make. You know, we saw them offer Bryce Harper a similar deal a few years ago, but he chose the longer deal with more security. But from the Dodgers' perspective, this is the perfect deal to make with these free agents because they're short-term, they're low-risk because you can get out of them early. It's not going to bear you down for years to come, which is why I love this move for the Dodgers. Um, and I don't know if you're going to touch on this, but I want to – out ahead of this because a lot of people don't want to sign Bauer. Uh, you can talk about his on-field play, but a lot of people don't want him for the off-the-field play. You know, some people think he's a distraction, the antics, all this and all that. I've been very vocal with my disagreement on that take. Um, you know, you can't find one teammate of his that will ever bash him or truly doesn't like him in baseball. You hear good things in every clubhouse. He's never going to, you know, he'll be the distraction only because he's asked the questions and you know, he's focused on by the media. But if you really look at Trevor Bauer, he's not a bad teammate. And, you know, everyone gets along with him. No one's saying bad things about him. So from that perspective, the character, you know, concerns, I throw those out the window all the time. He's a dog. He's going to go out there and give you 110% every day. And so I really like this move for the Dodgers. Yeah, I like this move for the Dodgers for sure. I mean, you touched on it. There's not much risk when you get a three-year deal. I mean, you're paying him a certain amount of money to come to L.A., but – Hey, listen. If he's the player we not we don't. Um, if he's not the player we think he is, then you've got some. You've got some. Uh, you're not paying him over a long term uh, period. So I think that provides some safety. Uh, I disagree with you on this. I don't love the Bauer shenanigans, the off the field character. I mean, personally, I like more of an old school mentality. I go out there, I play, and um, I'm not worried about the money. I'm just trying to get wins. And I think DJ LeMay, who's very much like that, I think Bauer showed through his Twitter personality and his comments and press conference that he's got a little bit of an ego. And I'm, that's not something I would want personally on my team. I think this is where this leads me into my next thing. I think there's a blessing in disguise for the Mets. They wanted Trevor Bauer. I'm sure the price tag they offered him was an unreal amount of money similar to, similar to the Dodgers. Maybe not $40 million. No, it was more. Um, it's it was more. Than more. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. If it was more so, then I think this is even – better for the Mets that they didn't spend that money. Now you can worry about extending guys like Lindor and Conforto. I just think that a blessing in guys for the Mets, and you don't get a guy like Bauer, I don't think is going to be worth the money. If you're spending money on Bauer, and he's going to come pitch with DeGrom, Carrasco on that staff, and he uh, recedes as a player and is not the kind of guy that we thought he was, then I think this is a good move by the Mets. And I don't think he's a guy you'd want on the team. I think the New York media might get to a guy like that. I think part of the reason he pitched so well was he's in Cincinnati and there's a lot of hands-off thing. I think maybe he goes to L.A., you have a different sort of deal. And I think a lot of those things are concerns, and I think this is a good reason why the Mets were lucky that they weren't the ones to bring him power, even if they wanted him. Um, so I actually agree with you about how it's a blessing in disguise for the Mets, but not for really the reasons you're talking about. I do agree with the money thing, and we'll get into that in a second. But I want to address the ego thing because, you know, Bauer certainly does have an ego. I'm not going to sit in here and deny that. 
but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. You know, that ego drives him to try to win every game, get through innings, get outs. You know, he wants to be the best player he can be. We've saw him make drastic improvements uh, his first year in Cincinnati to six plus ERA. And he does follow it up with a Cy Young. I know it's a shortened season, but he still was the best pitcher in baseball last year. And you couldn't really argue otherwise in the NL. Um, and so just going back to this deal before we get into the Mets, I think it's just a smart move for him as well. He's going to a winning team. You know, there's certainly a ton of pressure on the Dodgers to repeat. And this will be, this will take the load off some of the other guys, take the load off Bauer too, because he's not going to be starting the game once in game sevens necessarily. You know, you have Kershaw and Buell who are probably ahead of them in the pecking order just because they've been there. So I love this move. I think for a $40 million deal, it's as low risk as it can be. And going in on the contract, just for a second, because it is three years, this is really a two-year deal. Um, you know, he has player options after each year's. The first year, he's making $40 million. Second year, 45 The third year, it's only 17 So if he does accept that third year, then this deal went uh, worse than any of us could have imagined, because certainly we'd assume he could get more than that on the open market. So it's really a two-year, um, $85 million deal for Bauer. You know, great job for his agent and stuff to get the best deal possible. But at the end of the day, the ego stuff, the character stuff, I think it will all be forgotten, you know, five games into the year when he's pitching great and they're winning games when no one really cares about, you know, your Twitter personality. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you. Listen, if you've got a big ego and you back it up and you're right. great and you go out there and perform, I think that's something that's to your advantage if you're a pitcher, you know. It's one of the few things since you're in so much control on the mound, if you've got the confidence to go out there and pitch great, I think that helps you. I just look at it like if Trevor Bauer is, is not proven what he's talking, I don't think that he has had enough to back up his resume where he can – talk the talk, and then think he can walk the walk after one year. I mean, I'm, compare him to Tanner Roark. Tanner Roark's career RA is 3.83. Trevor Bauer, 3.9. I mean, Tanner Roark might be a four starter for the Blue Jays at best. I mean, there was some buzz when he was with the Nationals, but, I mean, never amounted to anything. If, the, if a guy who's got a worse to, uh, career RA than Tanner Roark's talking like Trevor Bauer, that's where my problem is. I think if he goes and he pitches great with the Dodgers and he backs it up with a sub-3 ERA, then, listen, he can talk all he wants. But that's what I'm waiting to see. And if he does that, the Dodgers are clear favorites to repeat again. I think even without Trevor Bauer, they were clear favorites. So if he goes that and he produces like that, I mean, it's going to be tough to stop the Dodgers and Trevor Bauer can talk all he wants. Right. And I, I understand the Tanner Roar comparisons. You know, that's making waves on Twitter and social media. But Bauer's a different pitcher than he was a few years ago. Uh, we've seen Bauer, he has been inconsistent, but it looks like he's finally turned the corner. You know, if you remember going into last season was probably when he's talking the most talk, trashing the Astros and everyone every day, and he followed it up with the Cy Young. So Bauer is a guy that I would bet on to have the year that everyone expects him to have. Last thing I want to talk about with this Bauer thing and the contract, you know, we'll get into the uh, agreement with the owners and MLBPA in a second. And we talked about before we started recording how we think there's going to be a lockout next year. And one of the reasons is with this contract, Bauer's going to be making more money than three teams' current payroll. The Indians, one of his former clubs, the Pirates, and the Orioles, they're all in the 36 to $40 million range. And a lot of people were trashing Bauer, you know, saying that he's selfish, he's taking a lot of money. But I think when you look at this, this is a bigger problem for those teams and for baseball 
than it is Bauer. Bauer has every right to take as much money as he can. He's said that in the press conferences and interviews he's been in. But for three teams to be making less money than one guy, one number three starter on a team who has a worse career ERA than Tanner Roark, like that's a really glaring issue in baseball and something that needs to be addressed in the upcoming negotiations. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, this deal has just completely highlighted the state of the MLB. And I think you start raising the questions about a salary cap like the NBA. And I think that's going to be very interesting to see in further negotiations. And it's going to be tough for any team to be able to compete with Trevor and sign a guy like Trevor Bauer if they don't have that. Could you imagine Tampa Bay bringing in a guy like Trevor Bauer? Never. Never a million years. So I think that's a, that's a very um, that's an important question that MLB needs to answer. And the Mets are one of the teams that were in on Trevor Bauer. And like you said, they offered him more than the Dodgers were asking. And they also have um, needs that they still need to address with money concerns, Conforto, Lindor extensions. So they were also a team that could afford to spend, but there are a lot of teams that weren't. Now, continuing with the Mets, they missed on Trevor Bauer, but they bring in two guys, Jonathan Villar and Alberto Amaro Jr. Those two guys are more utility uh, players. Nobody, I don't think, is going to start out of those two guys. But they're still in the hunt for Jackie Bradley Jr. They missed out on Springer, so they're still looking for a potential center fielder. Ryan, I want to hear what you think about what the Mets should do from now until spring training. Yeah, um, you know, you save the $40 million plus that it would have taken for Bauer. And like we've both agreed on, I think this was a blessing in disguise only because you need to lock up your guys. You know, you start with Lindor and Conforto. Lindor absolutely needs to be a Met past next year you know you just gave up the prospects to go and get him he's the face of your franchise if it works out you have to lock him down Conforto also is coming off some awesome years he's a guy you really should keep he's a homegrown kid and you also have Noah Syndergaard uh, he's going to be recovering from Tommy John which is part of the reason they need another starter but when he comes back if he's the same Thor we've seen you know you got to think of an extension for him so for those three guys you can save this 40 million you can work towards saving some of that money to re-sign them. And then when you talked about this team has other holes this year besides another starter, certainly they could have used a guy like Bauer. But when you have top of the rotation guys like DeGrom and Marcus Stroman, I think you could afford to take a flyer on maybe someone not Bauer's stature, but another guy out there like Jake Uterizzi or a name like that. You talked about how they signed Villar and um, – Omero, but I think those are just depth pieces. I wouldn't expect those guys to make monster impacts. And if they are, that means that the Mets do have some problem with injuries. Um, and you talked about Jackie Bradley Jr. You know, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of him. We've seen him a ton of times playing the Yankees. His bat is pretty light, but when you talk about in the field, there's no one better in center. So I think the Mets have to be really smart here because they have a window, obviously. You have this extra uh, money that you save with Bauer. You have to spend it wisely. Your team is not complete, I wouldn't say for certain. So go in, get some, you know, nice, not depth guys, get some starters, get some outfielders, maybe get a third baseman and shore up this team to be a World Series contender. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that World Series contender is a little extreme for the Mets right now. I think that, I mean, really? we're going to get into the Players Association agreement later, but the new playoff uh, format is not, the uh, 16 uh, teams that it was last season we're going to go back to 10 teams five in each league so it's going to be tough to think the Mets are out anything outside of a wild card for next year at at that um at best of a wild card so I think that maybe a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. could sure up the defensive side but 
with the um, like we'll get in later with the uh, player association agreement, there's going to be no DH next year. So what that's going to mean is that you can't put Dominic Smith at DH and you want his bat in the lineup. So he'll probably have to be playing left field or maybe switching with Alonzo at first. So there's definitely a lot of problems. So if you bring in a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr., you're stealing quality at bats from other guys and he does not have the bat as guys like Nimmo or Dominic Smith or J.D. Davis. So there's a lot of questions there. I think this Mets team's going to have to figure it out in spring training. And it's going to be interesting to see what this lineup is going to look like on opening day. Now, my distaste in Jackie Bradley Jr., um, it's completely dependent on what it takes to get him, right? So I've seen some reports that could take four years and 40-plus million dollars, and that – Yeah, you know, that's I'd, a lot. I'd, I'd hang up the phone immediately. Nothing more than, like, two for 18. I'm not really a huge fan of Jackie Bradley Jr., but with what you did just mention, it would be nice to have a guy in center who's a gold glove contender when you have Dom Smith in left, who's a very shaky fielder. Um, you know, the defense is nothing elite. Obviously, you have Lindor, but Pete Alonzo at first base isn't some special talent in the field. Dom Smith, you just mentioned, Conforto's nothing special. So from that perspective, Jackie Bradley Jr. would be a nice fit. But when we talk about the bat, it's not there. And if the money is too much, you have to move on and uh, pivot somewhere else. Um, and just last thing I want to say on the Mets is you said, you know, World Series contender is too far. I think if you're a Met fan, that has to be what you're thinking. You know, you acquired the best player on the market, uh, free agent trade market this offseason in Lindor. You have Jacob DeGrom. You know, it's a new ownership. There's a lot of positive for the Mets right now. Um, I'd expect it to be playoff or bust. And when you do make the playoffs, it really is a crapshoot. Anything can happen. You know, we saw the Miami Marlins win a playoff series last year. So, really, um, I do think it's not necessarily too brash to say that Mets fans and, you know, the organization could expect a nice run here in 2021. Listen, when you, when you look at the Mets on paper, I think in past years you've been able to say they're a contender for the NL East. And I think we uh, guys have done that a lot of times on this show. You know, they've made predictions about what the Mets could be ending up in at the end of the year. And, I, and I'm even guilty for that when the Lindor news hit. I was really high on the Mets. I thought they had a real chance at the division. But when I look at the roster and I see that it's really good on paper, I think about back in past years where you looked at the Mets roster and you're like, you know what, this is a team for a serious wildcard contention. And they have been, haven't been able to put it together in the past couple of years. And I think you hope that's not going to happen this year, but it's on the table. So I, I'm on the wait and see for the Mets page. If I had to say right now, I think they are just outside of the wild card next year. Mm. I think that there's a, uh, there's, there's open spots in the NL for sure, but I think you got to think the Nationals are going to come back. I think the Marlins are going to be good next year. That division alone is going to have a lot of good teams. The Phillies, all those teams are going to be in contention for the wild card spot. And I think that it's going to say a lot for the Mets to be able to put together an 85 win plus season that might be able to get that spot. I mean, the Cubs are going to be worse next year. I think there's some teams in the central division that are not going to be as good as we thought they were, but the Cardinals will be back. The Brewers will be back. So I'd have to wait and see on the Mets before I can make a prediction on them. If I had to say right now, though, I see them falling just outside the wild card, but I think they can have a successful season if they're above 500. I don't think they need to win that division to prove something. Well, I think this is a good segue into our next uh, and final topic here because I think with the uh, owners and MLBPA coming to an agreement, it does hurt the Mets for sure without this expanded playoffs because, as you just said, the NL East is really a dogfight. Uh, the Braves – you know, they re-signed Azuna. They're, lo- they're getting, you know, they were a game away from beating the Dodgers last year, and then it kind of slipped away. The Phillies will be back. The Nationals will be back. I love what they've done this offseason. 
But I still think when you're the Mets, I think you have to have a playoff aspirations here. Um, I'd assume Rojas's job is tied to the playoffs this year. So I don't think you can, I don't think an over 500 year is something you, you know, you necessarily are walking to the park and feeling proud of, especially with these pending free agents. You know, you don't know if you can get them all back, right? You know, who knows? This could be Syndergaard's last year. You pray that you bring Conforto and Lindor back. But moving on to the owners and MLBPA, I know you have something to say here. They just came to an agreement. Um, and one of those things was no expanded playoffs, no DH, no universal DH, which is different from last year. We do have seven inning double headers and the runner on second base start extra innings rule that are back. But in the end, I'm just glad that they came to an agreement because last year we saw the mess with negotiations. You know, it took so long for them to finally agree to something. But this year, it's all set. Season starting on time, 162 season, 162 game season. We're all go. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for baseball this year. Uh, I'm not excited to see some of these rules back. Like you said, seven inning doubleheaders, modified extra innings with runners on second, like last year. I'm happy to see no universal DH. That was something that I was not a fan of last year. I like seeing the pitcher hit. And we're back to playoffs being five teams per league, which I think makes it more exciting. You know, over 162 games, it was hard to believe that 16 were going to get in. I would not have wanted that. I know 14 was proposed at originally, but uh, I'm glad to see that it's back to five per league, 10 overall. Um, I mean, this is all very, I mean, we're going to see change in the future. I mean, this year, this is what's going to happen, but collective bargaining is going to be up after the season. So this is going to be a completely do, uh, new agreement for next year. But for this year, I mean, I'm excited to see the no universal DH, like I said, in the playoffs being shortened. I think the no DH rule hurts a lot of teams like the Reds. I think it hurts the Mets teams that were waiting on a DH and hoping that they would have that. And now they're going to have to monkey with their defense to try to find guys, get guys into the lineup. Uh, it's going to be uh, interesting to see what happens in the future. But right now, I think this is a good move uh, for the MLB and MLB Player Association. So you keep guys off the field with the seven inning double headers, but you also not make it too um, hard to get, a, um, too easy to get into the playoffs with the um, 10 overall five each league. So I think this is a good starting point for the season and I'm, I'm excited to see some baseball. Yeah, I was very vocal with my distaste in the expanded playoffs, but at least last year I could see it, right? It's a 60-game season. It's not a full sample size. With COVID and everything going on in the world, you know, I could totally see why they expanded the playoffs, get some more revenue and all that. But when you go back to 162, this was the thing I was most excited about, how we're not going to get to 10. As you said, you know, with the 162-game season – it's unique to any other sport. It's, you know, NFL's seven, 16 games. And you get a real full body of work. Um, you're never going to get undeserving teams in the playoffs like we did see with these expanded playoffs. And five to league, five per league, it just feels right. Um, as you said, the CBA is up after this year. And I'd expect some pretty brash changes with the DH, with the playoffs. You know, the owners are really gunning for this five per league. Um, with the luxury tax, maybe, because as we talked about earlier, changes need to be made in that regard, right? You're having teams spending less than $40 million and other teams paying more for that for one player. So there's a lot that the MLB needs to figure out. Uh, this year is kind of the last year to mix with things. You know, with the pandemic, you were able to tinker some things. The seven inning doubleheaders rule, I have no idea if that's a permanent fix. The runner on second base to start extra innings, no idea, same like that. But with the 162-game season, I'm glad the MLB didn't make the mistake of expanding the playoffs. 
because what baseball is all about is the 162 game season. And if you're not going to shorten the season, which none of us want to do because we love baseball, then you can't expand the playoffs and make the regular season not matter. Because for our Yankees, like 162 game season, you know, you're kind of coasting to the playoffs, even if you have a down year like last season. So I love that they went back to this. The no DH, I'm not a fan of. But if we can bridge that to get it next year for good, then I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think we disagree on the universal DH. I'm not a fan at all. I think that, I mean, the pitcher hits in the NL, I think that's interesting. If I had to see one thing change, I'd rather see that change in seven inning double headers and runner on second and next innings continue. I mean, that definitely should be out after this year, but I understand with the COVID restrictions and keeping people off the field. But, um, yeah, I think we disagree with the DH. That's an argument for maybe next yeah, year. That's a, that's a three-hour. That's a first or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in other news, I think this, I want to end on this um, topic. Uh, it was reported by the Associated Press um, over the weekend, but the MLB is working to deaden the baseball for the 2021 season to bring down the home run rate. And I think that this is really interesting because this has been talked about by fans and by um, radio uh, people for – past few years when no homer numbers started to climb did the MLB tinker with the baseball and juice it I'm a huge believer that the MLB did this I'm I still remember uh 2018 2019 um seasons when guys were hitting balls out of the park like it was nobody's business and then when it got to the playoffs in 2019 the ball was having trouble leaving the park and you could tell that the baseball tinkered it with the playoffs to bring homers down but in the regular season balls were flying out of the park so now that the MLB is coming out and saying, listen, we're going to work to dead in this baseball, I'm just interested to see how much of an impact it's going to look like. Is the guy, a homer still going to be flying, or is it going to feel like the playoffs where it was hard to get the ball um, past the warning track? Ryan, I want to get your thoughts before we end the show. What do you think about this news? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised because all along we've had Manfred and the MLB saying there's nothing wrong with the ball. It's the same ball it's been, and this is them backtracking on all that. I forget who it was, but there, were, there was a pitcher on Twitter. I think it was David Price, actually, who's like, what are you talking about? You've said this whole time that the balls weren't juiced. Or and, that you didn't know how to change the ball. Remember yeah, that? You, didn't, that... you couldn't change the ball, or it's the same manufacturing, or yeah. all this kind of language they were throwing at us, when in reality, what everyone was saying was true. Um, so I do think that actually is very notable. And if we see home runs down this year, which obviously are expected to do with this slight tweak, then I don't think the MLB can even talk about the juice balls anymore because the evidence has all been there, right? The home run rate spiked when they introduced these new balls. And if they go back down this year, I think, um, you know, it's, they were lying to us. And I don't appreciate the dishonesty with the MLB. You have to do everything to grow the game, but you have to keep the integrity of the sport. Um, the home runs were getting ridiculous. Brett Gardner was going oppo. I mean, um, Brett Gardner shows no business hitting 25-plus homers. Yeah, um, and going to left field. Um, so just on that, you know, I did like the juice ball from an entertainment standpoint, but for the integrity of the game, um, I'm glad that they're going back to what it was. Uh, let's see if these modifications do work. I hope they do. And, and they can uh, help speed up the game too. I mean, I think a big problem is that there are so many homers. We were at the sixth yeah. inning and it was already two hours. And, and that's been Manfred's number one objective, which he has not really succeeded at, is to slow down the game. So we'll see if it does in that regards. But in the end, just to end this, I'm excited we're getting baseball news, Mike. You know, we're yeah. reaching the dog days of the offseason where the NFL just ended. We really don't have much sports. This is a pretty crappy sports month until March. 
We get spring training coming. Pitchers and catchers report in nine days. So I'm just excited to keep this thing going and getting baseball back in 2021. Yeah, it's definitely going to be exciting. And I think in future shows, when spring training starts to pick up, we're going to have even more to talk about. I mean, past shows, we were looking for stuff when we were still waiting on Trevor Bauer and George Springer to sign. But now that those guys have found their place for 2021 season, it's going to be exciting to see as we head into spring training how they look and where they are in their new teams. But that's going to be it for today's episode of The Nosebleeds. Ryan, thanks for joining me. Thanks for all our listeners for um, being with us. And uh, from Ryan Gregoire, I'm Michael Calamari. See you next week.